Welcome to episode 312 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Three hundred and twelve of I am talk with Coach John Newsom, Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm sensational. This is take five. I've been all over the place today, haven't I? Having a shocker. Having a shocker, Joe Crocker. That's right. That's my business and old saying of mine. I'm just. I'm sorry. I'm just excited. I'm looking through Torsten's. You really Torsten's love this, don't you? Again, so he spends all week, all week, just by himself. Yeah. Looking at Torsten's. What is it that you're looking at? Try rating. Well, he sent me his, his database with all the all the. Everybody's names and all their results that they've had on his database. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Okay, well, uh, I'm Talk is proudly brought to you by... Coffeesofwai.com For the world's tastiest coffee. Athlinks.com For the world's tastiest friends. And extreme endurance. And for the world's tastiest supplement. It's not really tasty. No, it just goes... The drink is. Yes, the the execute certainly is. But the other stuff's not so tasty. It's more it just goes down. Anyway, uh, in this week's show, what got happening, guys? Um, Let's put up my notes. We've got some news. We've got an age group of the week. We've got a website of the week. We've got Coach's Corner. What's that on? Uh, It is on when the weather goes bad, because we've had a lot of Ironman races and Iron Distance races so far this year. Oh, so you're talking about during the race? Yeah, when you have have a shock, when the weather's a shocker, just some tips to help you through it. And then we've got some questions and answers, but first up we've got some news, and there's lots of news happening over the weekend, John, because we had lots of races. We did. And the first one up was... Ironman Lanzacarotti. It was actually the second one up. It was on Sunday, whereas uh, Ironman Texas. Texas was on Saturday. But anyway, we're starting with Ironman Lanzarote. And uh, the story of the day was, um, sounded like Philip Graves took a, took a bolter off the front. And, uh, Course was, record on the bike, 4.45. But it was not, re- was not registered. So what happened, just blue? I guess so. I mean, hasn't he done enough times? So I suppose... I suppose hey, young John. Yeah, but you know, he's, he's young, but he's experienced. He's been been around a long time. But I suppose the first time he did it, he won won an Ironman race, won Ironman UK. Um, but every time since we've seen him do that, he has either capitulated or um, or DNF. So a bit of a shame to see there. But well, we had a ten minute lead off the bike, mm. and then if you think, and then it's like fifteen minutes to the guy who got second, mm. you know, it's off the bike or third off the bike. So yeah, mm. and. It's not like um, he's a bad runner. He's not not a world record setting runner, but, yeah, but he's, he's, not, he's a yeah, perfectly yeah. good. You know, easily should be able to run. You know, sub sub, sub three. Uh, so Victor Del Corral from Spain ended up taking it out. He was got a bit spanked in the swim. Swam fifty three minutes, so he was like f- uh, five minutes behind the likes of Stephen Bayless, who's a pretty handy swimmer. Rode four. 54 and then row, uh, ran 2.50 for 8.44, which is a pretty convincing victory in the end. Um, Stephen Bayliss made a return, and he uh, had a good solid day in second for 8.53, and Sergio Marks was third in 9.02. You know, Goss on the race, I read the report, wasn't it? just kind of standard yeah, racing, really, it's, wasn't it? It's, it's, I mean, it's going to become a... Um, uh, a second tier mm. race because of the, the, the lack points, of points yeah. and lack of money. Um, but uh, Which is a pity, really, because it's a bit of an iconic race, isn't it? It is, but time's changing, Bevan. The times they are changing. On the girls' side of things, well, who took that one, one out? One thing I'm going to try to do most weeks now is, is always give a bit of love to um, the first age group finisher. At, oh, at really? Races. Is this a new thing, is it? It's a new thing. Why'd that come along? I don't know. I just I thought if you're first age grouper, regardless if you're a senior... Well, wait a second. Do you go female and male? Yes. Oh, where's the female? Well, the female's in there. Okay, good. Okay. Uh, so first male was, <laughs> was Rainer 
Schnurzschauer from Germany swam 57, rode 509 in oh, okay. three hours, yep. and he was in 9.15 on the girls. So things first, she came in one, two, three, fourth overall. Oh, tricky. Veil. Oh, her second letter, de, Dalhis, I think it is, from del- Belgium. Cheese. She swam 107, rode 551, and ran 3.18, and she did 10.25, and as I said, she was fourth overall. Okay, then, in the girls' side of things on the race? Michelle Vesterby, who Torsten's statistics have been picking to, to do very well in races, uh, she she took it out. Alabas in second. First return since having mm. a baby, and the baby you asked a few weeks ago is a boy. Is His a name's boy? Charlie. Oh, nice. And she was she said on her comments that the, doing that race was the longest she's been apart from her baby. And oh, really? Yeah. So well, 10 for hours. nine hours. <laughs> 10 hours. Plus, she, she got caught in, uh, in drug control. It took her four and a half hours to do a pee. Oh, so really? It was actually 14 hours. Four so. and a half hours? Wow. Yeah. That must suck. I know. Okay, I mean, Texas happened last oh, week. Oh, oh. Let's give the girls a bit of love. Oh, who got third? So, um, oh, Michelle Vesterby did swim 51. She rode 539. Sorry, sorry, girls. And she ran 320. Bella had a good steady day, swam 56, rode for 5.47 and ran 3.14. So she was 10.06, eight minutes behind. And Helene Bedevart was third in 10.17. So not a bad return for Bella. I mean, Helene Bedevart is a kind of top ten, and Michelle Vesterby's had some um, some pretty solid results. So good to see Bella oh, back yeah, in Bella's there. a solid athlete. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But she's making, she's making first, first race back from a long time. So second for the Baylisses, second on the girls, second on the guys. Yep, nice. Okay, now can I finish with that race? You can carry, you can carry on, okay, okay. I'm in Texas, so I'm in Texas. Well, Rapster, you rock the party, mate. He had a solid day. He had a solid day, and he dominated Dojo, winning by 12 minutes, getting off the bike with Rasmus, and you think Rasmus, you know? And, but no. And, and one of the things that he, he said was, um, you know, he, he's, 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 he hasn't done Kona before, you know, he's been around for... And he wrote that piece last year about saying how it actually doesn't appeal to him at this stage. No, but he's saying, uh, I'm not sure he's going this year or next year, he said next fall he's going, so I don't know if he's meaning this one coming or the following year. Well, it's funny when you say it, next fall, it should be the next fall. Mm. So it should be this year. Yeah, so maybe he is going this year. Yeah. I'm not sure. Or do you mean the next fall after the fall? I don't know. It's confusing, isn't it? Maybe it's like when you say next Friday, do you mean this Friday or Friday week? Mm. Pop him an email. See, uh, see what he says. Rapster, oh, we know you're listening. Rapster, let us know. Yeah. So it, one of the things he commented on post-race was, you know, I, th- I think one of the reasons he doesn't go to Kona, he doesn't want to just be another one of the numbers, another one of the guys racing. And, yep. and he sort of said, you know, until you can run sub 250, you're not really going to be even remotely close to being in the mix. And so now he's at well, running 246. Yeah. Um, very solid. So he swam 53. That's going to be a problem for him in Kona if he's swimming 53 minutes. Um, because Matthias Hecht is a, is a and, and other guys, Brandon Marsh, Joe Openauer, they, they swim 48, so he's losing five minutes in a non wetsuit swim. Uh, so that's a bit of an issue because if you do that in Kona, you're, you're going to be by yourself. You can still run through and have a good result in Kona, but if you miss that, that group, um, it's... Makes your day a lot more challenging. So you rode at 425, which was very solid, and ran a 246 for an 81044. Um, Domination, really, 12 minutes. 12 minutes. Justin Deere came through with a great race, so 248 yeah. for Justin Deere's fantastic run. He's really kind of progressing nicely, isn't he? He is. It's, it's a solid race. Yeah. Um, and Texas eight, isn't as big a money now, is it? It's not. No, it's last year it was really big, but it's I think from memory from last week I think it was a seventy five thousand dollar race. Oh, so it's still decent. So it's sort of that top of the second tier race yep. um, 
sort of on that on the run. Matthias Hecht, he he set a bike course record, rode four eighteen, just killed them all out there on the bike, and then uh, and then faded on the run. Still hung on for third, but it was close finish between second and third. It was only uh, about forty seconds in. So Justin Deere must have run him down right towards the end. Joseph Major was in fourth and Brandon Marsh in fifth. Interestingly, Rasmus Henning uh, had cramping issues again on the run. He kind of thought he was over that, but he came off the bike with with the Rapster and they were running. He actually broke away for a little bit as well, didn't he? Yeah, Yeah. and thought he was going okay. And then uh, the cramps sort of kicked in again, so he faded pretty badly. So he he commented that he thought the reason for it was he went um, pretty hard early on the bike trying to stay with Matthias Hecht. Things that hurt him later on. Yeah, and, and I guess the issue there is at Kona, you know, the, the start of the bike at Kona is pretty nutbar when they first get yep. on the bike and they go up the Kuakini Highway. You've got to go hard to stay with the group. And, you know, I guess the fir- first year he managed to, to hang hang tough when he had that uh, broken wrist and, yep. and still did well. And, and I kind of wonder if, you know, coming from ITU where you're used to big pace changes and now maybe he's stuck into the, the Ironman world where you kind of ride a lot more steady. More, yeah. Maybe he needs to go back and do a bit of bike racing or something just to be able to handle that and get himself ready so he can unleash a good run because we know he can do it. Yeah. And, and I guess when he set that incredibly fast time wrote. and wrote, I'm imagining I, I wasn't we weren't there, but I'd imagine he just set that off a really good, strong, steady, steady day throughout. Um, so he didn't have to deal with surges and stuff. So who knows? Perhaps that's the uh, the issue going on. First age grouper was uh, Adam Ostot. Ostot. Uh, he swam 56, rode 4.48, ran three hours for an 8.51. Nice work, nice Adam. Work. And then the girls, I think Mary Beth Ellis could see her back in the winner's podium. Pretty, really solid time because you, you often look between the male and female what the difference is, and it's often around about sort of the hour mark or maybe 50 minutes, but she was only 44 minutes behind uh, behind Jordan Rapp, so she swam 53, rode 4.45 and ran 3.11. A little bit of a disappointing run for her. She can, she's, she's yeah, but maybe you, you kind of go, maybe she just took it easy. Well, apparently not, because it said on the, the finish she was pretty smoked when she oh, came okay. to the finish line, so who knows, maybe she did, but maybe she just faded a bit on the run, but she can she can run. But when you're in the lead, like she won by six minutes, and you obviously like the person, Caitlin Snow, it's Smoking run of two fifty one. That is, that is smoking. Now, so but Mary Beth obviously had a pretty big lead on her because mm. she still won by six minutes. So, or no, more than six minutes, eight minutes. Mm. And so, um, you know, like so maybe she's still a bugger. I'm going to get home. And even if she was smoking, you know, maybe if she'd be able to push it, she could have gone a little bit faster. So. Yeah. Good solid day, Catelyn Snow. As Bevan said, smoking round two fifty one, and it sounded the like the girls are just running fast. Like it was funny. I was reading the report about Mary Beth Ellis, and they, and they said, "Oh, she only ran a three eleven. Mm. Well, not long ago, that was that was a solid run for the females, wasn't it? You know, exactly. like you'd never say only. Mm. You know, like what, Badman was close to three hours, and everyone else was around three ten, weren't they? It'd be interesting to see what Mary Beth can do this year in, in Kona because uh, last year, you know, she was raced out by the time she got there, yep. and um, she's gonna she should be a factor throughout the day because she's a, she's a good swimmer, so she should be with the she won't be with with Joycey and that coming out of the swim, I don't think, but she'll be with the main pack of girls, and then uh, yeah, it'll just be interesting to see how how she can she can hang over there. She's um, yeah. Oh, she's a great athlete. Mm. Um, Amy Marsh was in third place so in 9.04, and then, uh, then there's some pretty big gaps after that. So, well, first female first, age grouper. First female age grouper. Brooke Brown. Brooke Brown from Canada. Nice. She did a 9.47.05 John with a 1.11 swim, 5.08 bike, and then a 3.21. Bear, 
if you run, if you sort out her swim, she'd be right in the mix because that, those times are um, on par with most of those pro girls. But just a one one eleven swim. Problem is, John, the sorting out swim is a hard thing to do, isn't it? It, it is. You know what I mean? Like you, you can get time on your run, you can get time on your bike pretty quick. Sorting out swim, losing twelve minutes seems mm. to take years. It does. Something it, sucks. It does. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, one other thing. Back to Ironman Lanzarote was uh, there was a guy called. Um, his name was Joseph Ajram and he was trying to do seven islands in seven days something nobody has ever done before well seven Ironmans on those islands as well yes yeah, so that kind of helps it, uh, it's what he was try- finishing this off at uh, Ironman Lanzarote but I went onto the live tracking and there was no his, his result wasn't there so I don't know whether he completed this or not I went onto the, the website for his challenge and uh, it was in Spanish and <laughs> oh. I, I couldn't read Spanish unfortunately so I'm not sure if he completed the challenge but if he did it was pretty solid so it was, he was basically doing seven Ironmans in seven days and, and travelling within that yeah and doing them all round uh, finishing off with Ironman Lanzarote so if he did it well done to him it was interesting he was saying seven Ironman in seven days. I was interested with the PR around it because, you know, Ironman do like to kind of be pretty strict on the use of the word Ironman. Mm-hmm. But this kind of PR release came out from Ironman Lanzarote as well, didn't it? So mm-hmm. he must have, they must have kind of just jumped on board because it was good PR. And you know, Red Bull were behind it as well. So, you know, when you pay the money, John. Red Bull's a fantastic marketing, example of marketing. Oh, yeah, exactly. John, yes. this week in Lance. Oh, yes. But it's actually not that corny this week. This week, you have to give the guy some credit. Yes. Ironman Ironman 70.3 Florida, dominated the dojo. 3.45, solid, and then second place was 3.56. It's a a pretty weak field. It it is. Well, that guy, um, second, Maxim Kriat, you you keep talking there. He's he's going to his favourite place in the world right now. He's going to Thorsten's little book of of knowledge. And uh, so what happened was Lance got out of the water, I think a little bit behind the top guys, but the top guy. And then he smoked smoked the ride, did two hours, I think it was, just based on memory. And then a 116 run. And he kind of says that, you know, to be competitive in halves, you're either going to be running, you know, a, a, a 110 or 111. Or you're going to be riding a two-hour, and so he knows that he can't run a 111, but he knows he can ride two hours, so that's how he's going to approach 70.3s right now. You know what? It's a great race. It is. So Maxim Kriat, who finished second, yes, he's not a, a, a he's not a world-class 70... Well, no, he's world-class. He's not a, he's not like a, a world top, top, top five yep. guy, but he's been second in Florida the last uh, two years, and he's done an 834 and an 842. So he's not he's not a mug, but he's not in the same calibre. You know, you would, expect, you would have expected Lance Armstrong to win that race and win it fairly well, but still, an 11-minute victory, is uh, that's a pretty crushing performance. Without pressure as well. Yeah. You have no one on your tail trashing you along. Yeah. You know, like you could probably get another three or four minutes out of yourself if you had a group to ride with and, and all the rest of it so you know what he's, he's, he's showing his game isn't he yes and, and we've got to if you can pull through a, a, a solid run then uh, who knows what's possible but I'll see we'll see him in the flesh because his next race is going to be in Kona and have you sorted out that interview yet yeah 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 we've got a two hour exclusive have you got a media pass uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And, well, you should take the, the recorder mic I, I, I am oh good I'm on it don't worry just you're sharp you are um, and He's going to probably face a stronger field there because I remember Pete Jacobs, I think, was racing. Yep. I th- I'm not sure if Crowey was racing or not, but I'm pretty. I think it was. Well, they've got, that, they got that training thing, haven't they? Yeah, where you pay, you pay $20,000 for, $20, for a three day camp. Three minutes with them. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how he goes over there against some stronger guys. I mean, um, he's, he's shown he can be competitive with those guys, so. Uh, I think he, I th- totally think he's just going to crush everybody in, at Ironman France, and then uh, Conan will be a different story, though. 
Jess Jacobs took out the girls in that race. Just got to give the girls some love as well, John. That's how we roll. Nice. We're not sexist. Not at all. Not at all, John. It's a, it's a, it's a happy world for everyone. John's ITU update, John. Okay, so I've got two, I've got another piece of news on there that I haven't included. But, but oh, actually, one other thing. There's a new Iron Man coming out next year. Oh, yeah. Uh, Iron Man... Mexico. Uh, Los... Cabos, so uh, it's just another one of those sort of resort places by the sound of it, never been there, never heard of it, but uh, they've got Cozumel down there, they've got uh, Los Cabos and it's scheduled for March 17th, 2013. Uh, I guess it's going to be interesting to see how how well they're able to pull off a, essentially almost a winter iron distance race over there, because I guess most people are going to be having to train through winter for that one. Now is Cozumel Cozumel mainly Americans doing the race? I would have thought so. Yeah. But like Brazil, there's, there's a lot of South Americans that do triathlon. You know, Brazil is, uh, is a massive country, and it's, um, whilst it's not a big sport there, they're pretty good at it, and they, 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 you know, their races down there still sell out. So I think it would be um, yeah, a bit of a combination, but I would have thought the main market they're going after is you know, a nice holiday destination, um, winter, get out of winter sort of idea. So interesting to see how they pull it off, but... All, the, all these holiday destinations that generally don't mind throwing a bit of money at, uh, yeah. at events to get to get people there, as we know, with with, with some other events. Don't worry. I'm, oh, yeah. we've got an inside scoop that we can't talk about. Yeah, not really. Well, no, we're not you can't you can't tease John. No, we can just tease, but let's just say some some athletes get paid quite a bit of money to to attend races in nice venues. Could I, will we drop a hint? Who no. would that? Oh, John. <laughs> I like telling everyone everything. You can't do that to me. No, no. John's ITU update. Here okay. we go. So um, last weekend they had the ITU Cross World Championships, and what the cross is basically the Xterra format. So they do a 0.93 mile swim, uh, 18.6 mile a nine mile bike. swim, 0.93. Oh. So I don't, Jay, don't get mad at me, man. You, you, you can do the maths on that, but I'm, I'm picking it. It's probably 1500 metres, 0.93 of a uh, of a mile, an 18 mile, 0.6 mile bike, and a 6.2 mile run. Conrad Stoltz took it out. And well, well, Nevin Keys. I just grabbed it off the website, and it's, in, it's held in America. So Americans, yeah. So, and uh, Leslie Peterson from Great Britain took out the girls. The um, one thing I would say about that, it's good to see ITU collaborating. They, they basically didn't put the race on. It was a, a round of the Xterra um, events. It was a Southeast American Champs or something. And it's good to see the ITU. You know, they've never put a huge amount of focus on cross racing or yep. Xterra. So instead of trying to constantly bang their heads against the wall and, and organise a race, it's going to you know take them a lot of time and money to do, you know, collaborating with Xterra who put on great races is uh, I think a good, good thing to do and Have you done Xterra? No I have not, yeah. and the main reason because I'm crap on a mountain bike and yeah. I get absolutely spanked and I'm also crap at cross country running, Don't, I quite enjoy cross country running but I'm crap at it yeah. uh, Next up is also the I'm in Brazil or even before that, in my oh. ITU update Oh. I haven't included it. Is uh, the Madrid next round of the Madrid? How come your show notes are different to mine? Oh, it's just one. It's a one line. Oh no! Well, no, John. Look, we're meant to be on the same page here. <laughs> Literally, we are on the same page. We're on page three of the oh, show okay. notes. We're still on the yeah. same page. Uh, Madrid World Champ Series is coming up this Who weekend. Cares? A lot of people care because oh. it's basically the, the la- <laughs> after this. Most countries have to name their Olympic teams. I think first of June. I think most of the Olympic teams. So this is the final race of gaining points for it for the Olympics. Final chance for people to put their first foot forward and then the, the Do you think there's going to be made. any shockers? Um, well, who knows what they're going to do with Australia. Um, great, 
<clears throat> I'll be surprised if they do that after the last round. And then Great Britain on the guys' side of things. You've obviously got the two Brownleys, but Alistair Brownlee is not racing in Madrid, and he hasn't raced yet. Obviously, you still pick him, but um, he's got an Achilles issue, so who knows what sort of shape he'll be in. But the third spot on the British team is going to be really interesting because they've got likes of Tim Don, Stuart Hayes, who's won races before, um, and the other fella, Will Clark. They've, they've got a really, really tough choice to make. I suck when you've got such a strong team. It's the same in a lot of sports. You know, yeah, I know, but it just sucks. Like, yeah. it's, it's the Olympics about... I know we've talked about this before, but you know, like it's certain we have the best athletes at the Olympics. It's not what the Olympics is about. No, no, yeah. but it is really because if you win Olympic gold, you're recognised as the best in the world. But you still have the best people there. It might just not be the deepest field, you know. No, but could could you yeah. argue that in the UK, that some of those the top five guys in the UK could all probably be medalists? Yeah. Outside chances. Yeah. Okay. Let's even say outside chances. That means it's not the best field. Mm. But then the same. But then the sprinters. You know, Americans. You got probably top fifteen. Top fifteen sprinters in the world. Ten of them are probably Americans. And could you say the tenth ranked American is going to be potential medalist? Possibly. They should be at the Olympics, John. That's my theory. You come up with a new qualifier. I've come up with my qualifying criteria for Ironman. You come up with a new Olympic qualifying criteria. Okay, I will. I'm this this week's project. Okay, Ironman Brazil is happening this weekend, guys. 2,000 points, $75,000 for the winner. And we're going to have a look at the female field first. You've got Hilary Biscay, Kim Lofter. You've got... Um, who else we got here, John? Well, you see, if we if we go, so they're, they're seated fairly well here. So Didi Griesbauer is seated, oh, yeah, uh, seated second, and then if we look Fernanda at Fernanda Keller, yeah, Fernanda Keller's in there. If we if, let's, let's just pick someone. Let's go, Sophie Goose from Belgium or Sophie Goss from Belgium. Oh, John's just pulling up his favourite thing ever. And let's just go for G. You, you keep rambling, Bevan, because okay. Then fine. we've also got um, Sarah Gross. Gross. We've got uh, Sophie Gose. Is that who you're putting up now? Yeah, yeah. Um, Vanessa Giannani. <clears throat> and Sophie is. Uh, she finished third in Ironman Florida. She finished third in Texas. She, she has won Florida. Ironman Florida in uh, 2009. 2009. Mm. So I'm picking her to uh, to have a pretty solid day at the office. Is that your favourite? Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. And a guy side of things. You got a few good. Just a good sized field. It is uh, mostly Brazilians and Argentinians and <clears> stuff, and but at the same time they've got some pretty solid athletes. So you've got uh, Oscar Galindez, you've got Eduardo Sturler, and then if we go someone like they just got good names, haven't they? They have. You know what I mean? Like if you're from Brazil or Argentina, you just sound cool. Uh, you've got Ezekiel Morales. Ezekiel Morales. I'm going to name my kid. If I have another kid, that's what I'm going to name him. Ezekiel. Ezekiel yeah. Morales Isles. It's got a good ring to it, isn't it? Is that, uh, are you just putting something out there? Is there, is there anything else we should, we should not? No, no, there's nothing we need to know. The cat's definitely fulfilling that need right now. But, <laughs> but, but just saying, you know, I'm not sure if Joe would agree. Joe mm. tends to like normal, traditional names. Right. But Ezekiel Isles. It's just right. got a good Okay, so normally I'd be I'd be sitting here saying oh, I don't know much about these athletes, but, but now you do. Ezekiel Morales actually won Ironman Wisconsin last year in a nine hours. Oh, nine hours and nine seconds. But he has gone sub nine before. I know his total time was eight forty five. That was his rating time oh. was nine hours and nine. Uh, and he's finished second in Brazil before. He's had a fourth in Brazil. He was third last year. So Ezekiel, you do the business this weekend. He's my pick. Where's Nicolanus nowadays? I haven't seen him race in a while. Nicolanus? Yeah, when was the last time he raced? Oh, he's raced fairly recently. He, he was, he? Uh, yeah, no, he's had some solid results recently. And Nico Isles. No, it doesn't work so much as Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Yeah. If you were to name your kid one of the names on this list, what would you name them? Um, let's have a look. Rafa. Igor. Igor. 
Alejandro, Alejandro. Say that again. Alejandro. Alejandro, you're going to let one Alejandro Newsom. So there you go. So we've also got coming up this weekend, uh, challenge, the half challenge Barcelona. Um, Barcelona. Barcelona. That's what I call my name. People start calling their names cities like... Um, not not the Detroit. Italy. Italy's not Italy's a city, but it's country. You know, people call. Oh, it do you know someone called the kid Italy? Yes, there was a girl hey. in, in Thomas's swimming class called, called Italy. Italy. Called Italy. It's a silly name, isn't it? Yeah. What would be the worst country to call them? Uzbekistan, Great Britain, <laughs> Great Britain Isles. I know. Um, I know. I know someone who named their kid Anton Oliver. No lies. Oh, right. That was, their, that was their name. Anton Oliver. No, but there was, like, it was Anton Oliver Isles. Anton Oliver was an ex-all-black captain. Not a great all-black captain either. You know, no. not, not one that you kind of go down in history books. And, uh, and they named their kid Anton Oliver. That was the name. Good for them. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? If you want to look speedy, get yourself some gear from SLS. If you want to look, don't SLS care about if it's speedy. It's just, it makes you look speedy. Mm. We had that email a couple of weeks ago, the guy that did... Uh, Deny man he wore the he just got the compression shorts came in and they helped him ease his cramping but you'll also look speedy so they've got the the FX tri race suit 185 bucks we've got all sorts of other options you've got the tri shorts you've got the tri top um, they've got the compression tri shorts so you can have a choose choice of whether you want to go compression or just regular and they've also got their fulbic speed suit C fulbic what's and a fulbic John uh, I don't know where it comes from, but that, that's basically their speed suit option. So you can either wear that as a as a tri suit by itself, um, but it's also legal at WTC legal in terms of wearing it as a speed suit over the top of whatever <coughs> else you're going to wear in a race if you're doing a non wet suit race. So um, good have, have, have our suits got out? They've started arriving. I haven't got mine yet, but somebody popped us an email this morning saying they've got theirs. So Great. hopefully they're going to arrive in the next couple of days. Okay. Um, so there you go. So use the code IMTALK. Uh, the tri suits are 185 bucks. Tri shorts are 99. Tri tops 99. Use the IMTALK code and you get a no-brainer deal. Check it out, then sls.try.com, and you can get the greatest gear in the world. Okay, guys, well, this week, where this discussion was apparently brought to you by Pete Romney, he sent through uh, the, this discussion. Do you think that uh, the Ironman organisation has spread itself too thin and is trying to put on too many full-length courses? While I love having an Ironman course literally half a mile from my front door, there seems to be so many races, at least around the US, that each race draws fewer pros and just a little less fanfare from the organisation, etc. Or, on the flip side, should more more and more people will try to go pro and race full Ironman to expand the sport. How tell there is a fine line for sub nine hour athletes who could race in a pro field but also want Kona slots. I think the incentive that Challenge put up for Roth was absolutely spot on. Break nine hours and you get your entry fee back. That means there's something to race for. Did you get that? Yep. Yep. <laughs> this means there is something to race and although you don't race for the money unless you're a top five athlete but it certainly um, gets me interested in um, I'm, I'm I dot events again it's the quality of performance being rewarded not the depth of the field Brian Dunn's got faster age group is masquerading as pro is the blight on the Ironman circuit IMO, what does that mean? In my opinion. I, to, my, I, I had to think that one through. Yeah, well. I've never heard that one before. Oh, hold on, there's another one coming up. Okay, on. we have enough professional courses clutter. I think pro standards should be tightened up, to be honest. In regard to too many races, the brand dilution, WTC will continue to bring out more events as long as they sell out in moments. The day they don't sell out is the day they'll stop, and not one day earlier.
There's, there's another one in there somewhere. I can't find it, but it's I M H O. In my humble opinion. Oh, humble! Oh, he's got humble on it. <laughs> yeah. Nice, good. I can't, can't remember who did that, but some, somebody did. Okay. Um, Mark Chapman, I am races aren't just for pros, so if they fill up, the WTC have called it right. And presumably the recent I am, I am in Texas joke, huh, it was actually in St George, yep. will be a half is due to WTC for seeing um, half as many I am races. Okay, Trevor. One too many half I am races. One too, because he's gone one too, hasn't he? Mm. Yeah, don't do letters for words, team. It confuses us, or numbers <laughs> for words. It confuses us. Trevor Carlson, he's got, uh, it's a great product, but really they are becoming like Starbucks and McDonald's. Ooh, do we need an I man in every corner? It is like that with Starbucks, eh? Mm-hmm. Like McDonald's is bad in America, but when I went to America, Starbucks was everywhere yeah like seriously it was everywhere anyway um, as for fast age groupers turning pro other than getting into the race WC races for less fees than some Ironman events charge for one race there is not a lot of upside you aren't going to pay the mortgage off with the small amount of prize money WC puts up um, and there's no there are a few sponsors out there for the good pros not marginal ones IM is growing too fast for its own long term good I-M-H-O, there you go, in his humble opinion. Uh, Gary Fegan, I think there is more dilution caused by the number of 70.3 races, with there regularly being two or three three on the same weekend. New points system seems to be working this year, and the regional championship races are drawing quality fields. The low points races have smaller um, problem fields of lesser known athletes. Uh, look at St George. So I think they can continue to expand with the more lower point races, giving an opportunity for newer pros to make a living as well as those who are no, on, no longer or unable to make the top flight. Lucy Francis got, I think there may be several IMM races in unsuitable places. I'm in Texas, which I'll be doing this week, seems to have a very small lake for the swim, and the place doesn't strike me as conductive to sporting lifestyle. I suggest that uh, I would suggest that the WTC find better locations for some of their races. I think the point system has stopped fast age groupers from stepping up to pro level. What bugs me is ex pros racing age groupers, as they should have still been an ex co. Oh, she thinks they should be an ex pro category. Sure. Okay. Lucy, you're wrong. Lucy, you're wrong. Based on John. Uh, Peter Mills, pros um, bring headlines. Age groupers bring WTC profits. WTC is a profit entity. As long as the demand, and there is, uh, is there, WTC will keep adding races. Christopher Nesbitt's got the expansion of the sport is a fantastic thing, allowing athletes to compete more locally. Currently, the spread of races is perhaps US-weighted. Although I, wouldn't, I would argue it's not that. Like how many races are in the US now? About 10? Couldn't tell you off the top of my head, but it'd be, I think I'd be certainly approaching that number. Yeah, okay, anyway. Uh, however, the, with new races opening regularly, this may change. As it stands, most races appear to be successful and well participated. One large positive is WTC tends, uh, races tend to be well organised, have local races, and local races have the potential to be a hit and miss. Much love to IM Talk. Mm. Thank you, Christopher. John, your thoughts? It's, uh, I think it's a no-brainer for WTC to keep putting on more races. And whilst we, we do harp on about the pro side of things, um, does that really make a big difference? I mean, these races sell out anyway. I think the pro side of things really helps lift the profile of the sport. Um, and for us hardcore triathletes, we love reading about it. But I, I, I kind of think the path we're going down is, is a good one where they've got the, you know, they've put, they've got the, the prestige races and... Um, 
in terms of the, the regional championships. The other race series is like the challenges. They're still going in, in regional fields. And I just think it's a... It's it's the it's the right the right way forward. It's getting more people into the sport. Um, it's giving the pros a bit of a pathway. They can choose to either go low tier races. They can choose to go on the challenge circuit or the or the rev three circuit. And when you look at other sports, you know, I know we're not in the same league as golf and tennis or anything, but there is thousands of tournaments on there. And most of these athletes that that are now in the top rung have probably come through the system where they've had to do challenger tournaments or second tier tournaments and then they sort of work their way up so um, I don't really see a, a big problem with it, I just think it's part of the, the evolution of our sport and as long as they have these top tier races then I think it's good and I know we, we could say well it's only a $25,000 race but for a, a new pro if they can go there and, and get a little bit of money then then great and um, if they want to go to a top tier race and see where they rank against the big boys then, then they can do that as well so no, I, I think it's. Uh, I think it's part of the progression. Well, the, the problem for our sport has always been for the pro game is that they just don't race much, and so you know it's the seventy point three is a way of getting pros racing more. But at the end of the day, Crowe turns up to seventy point three. It's not his key event, you know, and he obviously wants to win some seventy point threes, and it'll be good for him. But you know, we want to see him racing Ironman, and you know, they've moved towards a system where they're getting more pros racing together in the harder races. You know, you're getting the, you know, the Ironman Melbourne, which had a pretty strong field, Germany, and and hopefully New York, and Kona. So you have got these big races that are really drawing a better level of pro to that race. Yeah. So then the second tier races, you know, they just can't appeal on that level, you know, to to that. So then, do does it then create a better pathway for young people up and coming? So if you and I were to start now, based on where our ability was when we kind of finished, would would we be have to get by a bit more because there'd be we wouldn't have to race against the Cameron Browns so mm. much because they'd probably go to Melbourne instead of New Zealand, although we probably would in New Zealand. But you know what mm. I mean? It's like maybe we can make a bit more of a living. It'd be a hard life because you'd have to race a lot more and the money's not so great. But you probably were only getting like in when. And I'm in New Zealand at that time. You probably would have got tenth. Yeah, whereas yeah. based on the, the field nowadays, based on the way the point system works, you probably could get like a fifth. Mm. And so with the, the prize money probably be pretty similar anyway. But maybe I don't know. It's yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? I think I think for the pros, it's it's a better situation. Obviously, we'd love to see the money going up, and we go look. The prize money at a lot of these events hasn't changed for twenty years or whatever. But I think there is so many more events on now. I, you know, if if I was a pro, I'd rather be racing now than than, than ten years ago. I think there's uh, there's more opportunity. Oh and, yeah, definitely. There's definitely second and third tier pros, mm, mm. or even top pros. You know, you can make more money, now, can't you? Exactly. Yeah. So, still not still not great money. No, but it's. I think I think they're heading in the right direction. Well, it's also. The only concern about it is like last week's piece of news where they cancelled that race, and it sounds like it was a bit of debacle. Mm. For me. If they're going to commit to a race, they at least have to commit to it for a certain period of time. You know, you mm-hmm. can't, you know, it seems as though they've got this policy, well, if we're not getting numbers, we're pulling out. And um, that's not very good PR for them. That, that, that What happened last week wasn't very good PR. Mm-hmm. It sounded like it was pretty poorly managed. And it's, you know, they can make mistakes like that occasionally, but if they keep doing that, that's going to be bad for their brand overall. So, mm. there you go. This week's discussion is brought to you by Andrew the Samaritan Seeger, and it is. Um, is that age group of the week? I'm looking at John. There we go. Yeah. It's not brought by him. That was Stuart Moore. Stuart Moore. How do you train for Ironman in three hours a week? 
And so I've, I've kind of put a bit of a spin on this because three hours a week, you yeah, don't I'm exactly. That was, that was sort of my response. So I've sort of just changed the format a little bit. For those that train, say less than ten hours a week, how do you, you how do you sort of make it happen and, and try to get the best out of yourself? Because most people that are semi to, to moderately serious or very serious, they're going to be probably training between 12 and 24 hours a week, depending yep. on um, how, f- how much time they've got. But for those of you that do, say, 10 hours or less, and there are plenty of people out there that do that, um, what are some of your tricks of the trade to make it uh, as successful as you Do you think you could do it at three hours? Oh, like, I know the answer is no, but... Oh, you could certainly do it, depending on what level we come, come from. from. So, yeah. like, if you and I, if we yep. did three hours training a week, we could go and do an Ironman. We may You're not do slow. it particularly well. Um, so... Yeah. It'd be a grovel, wouldn't it? It would be grovel. Yeah. yeah. Oh, th- no, at the end of the day, I think if you paced yourself at a, for you and I, like I went and rode Gorges the other day at a, at a reasonable sort of pace, and that's a 155k ride. Smoke it, dude. And you rang me. Jeez, man, you're using me sharp. And Watch out the people going to Coney. He's going to smoke you. So I, I certainly don't think it'd be a fast time, man, but it wouldn't be crazy slow. But if you came from no sporting no endurance sport background and then you tried to do an Ironman on three hours training so is Stuart more aiming to do an Ironman on three hours I training I don't know that was just it was just a one line of comment I think he would probably go a bit desperate at night he just had a kid mm. and his wife said you got three hours a week and he goes we don't do an Ironman I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll email John yeah there you go <laughs> John will have the answer and we've said no and he's going oh no okay then so uh, that's a uh, hot topic of the week let's put some music on for age group Group of the week. Okay, John, it's brought, brought to you at F-Links because we're, we're linking it, aren't we? We're linking it to F-Links.com. Oh, so it's like a, an age group ad. It is. <laughs> Funny that. Okay, age group of the week is proudly brought to you by Andrew, this good Samaritan or just oh, the Samaritan. No, no, you're having a shocker today. It's sent in from Pete Satchwell. Oh, but Andrew, the good Samaritan from the Tri Dubai Club, is the age grouper of the week. There you go. Age 52, Andy has been a part of the core of the triathlon community in the United Arab Emirates for the past five years and lends his experience in a non-condescending manner to all newbies and competitors alike. He is responsible for dozens of athletes making the change into the sport and then into longer distance triathlon. He's the trusted I Am Yoda. It's a good nickname to have when it comes to training plans and has successfully got many first-timers through the IM distance races. He is at every training session with good humour, ready to rock through the session with his super-efficient endurance engine, always carrying a smile. He always coordinates yearly trips for the tri-club to go to IMN or challenge events all over the world, weekend training trips, and recently designed and handled the logistics for the new club kits of approximately 75 members. As an ex-British military officer, his attention to detail is as impressive as his pre-season briefs, which always raise a giggle. Basically, he's an all-round good guy. Now the proud grandfather. Grandfather, nice. That's the next level that is, isn't it? Yeah. Who puts so much back into the sport and deserves to be recognised. Plus, I know he's a keen listener of the podcast as he introduced me to it a couple years back. I don't know if we gave Andrew that, the Samaritan, the nickname, or whether that's just a nickname. I think we did do a Samaritan. We did, so I'm not sure. 
So normally we, with the age group of the week, people send it through after somebody's had an amazing performance at a race or it's, they've gone through some sort of adversity to get there. But um, we didn't get a, a performance sent through from Andrew, uh, no, from um, Pete about Andrew. So I popped on to athlinks.com and, uh, and checked it out. And Andrew, if you're listening, you need to update some of your results, claim them. But he has got um, his result up there from the Abu Dhabi Triathlon earlier this year. He went 4.22 and, uh, and also Abu Dhabi he did the long course last year and went 10.05 but I went further than that Bevan John you take it to the next level don't um, you because Andrew hadn't claimed all his results that's all he had up in, uh, up on Athlinks but I just popped in onto Google Andrew Segar on Ironman uh, and it came up a result from Ironman South Africa and it's good when people are you know they're not necessarily the um, you know Kona champions or anything like that but if you're someone who's a Samaritan you're giving out advice and stuff you need to be able to practice what you preach at whatever sort of level you're exactly, at eh? and you're able to put do through, as I say not as I do yeah. you don't hate that one well, do you and put through a nice balanced performance so I looked at Andrew's result and it came up with uh, when he did Ironman South Africa in 2011 he swam 126 nice and he was uh, nine oh, he was uh, 500th he was 1129th out of the swim. Oh, sorry. Yep. Um, and then he biked a 605 and he was 721st. Average then, of 29 Ks, 0.58. Yep. And then he ran a 430 and he was uh, 510th. So he basically m- moved through the field really nicely. So obviously, it was a very well paced race and he, he did 12 11 and he finished. 26th out of 87 in his age group and that was a 50 to 54 age group so good to see Andrew helping his little triathlon community in in Abu Dhabi and also practicing what he preaches and putting out just a solid well-paced race performance as you would expect from an ex-British military officer. Well also you know all tri-communities need these people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, we are a small sport, and, you know, like, 75 members, is, and, and when you think about club sports, is pretty small, but... Well, that's how many club kits they did. Oh, true, okay. But, you know, like, you do need that person behind the scene who kind of just, you know, does the work just because they're passionate about sharing and caring, and and I'm sure he gets, you know, like, because people like this, they, you get so much back from helping others, and I'm sure Andrew gets a lot of reward from being the guy who helps other people out, but, you know what, I'm, for the people who he helps... It'd be just such a massively positive thing in their lives. And to organise 75... Are you bored of Andrew, are you? I'm not, but Andrew, I think you're great. To organise 75 members' tri-suits, I can assure you, it's just, it's simple stuff. But, but it's, it's not. Pain in the arse. Because there's the always job. the person who rings you just about before the oh, I just got the email. Or you've sent the order off, oh, I need that, or... Um, I got the size to, wrong. Trying to sort out sizing and just, it's, it's again, it's simple stuff. But Can I pay you later? Exactly. <laughs> it just goes on and on. Can I pay you five cent coins? <laughs> and so, good work, Andrew. And um, it's brought to you by athlinks.com. One thing I've noticed uh, up there when I looked at Andrew's results is it's got his... Uh, Latest results up there, the ones that he's claimed, but it's also now got a tab where you can do your unofficial results. So for you guys that say race last weekend in Texas or in um, Lanzarote, remember before before they get the official results up on Athlinks, you can put your unofficial time up there so people can see what you do. You can then share that onto to Facebook and uh, share it with the rest of the world. So check it out on Athlinks.com. Okay, John, I'm gonna put some music on because it's Coach's Corner time. What kind of music do you want today, mate? Uh, you choose. Okay.
Corners, corner. I went kind of gangster, kind of beat, beat, you know, like you're in a fight. Yeah, funky. Yeah, I went and watched a good movie the other week, John. Yes. I know you love movies. I watched a couple of movies, actually. We watched The Muppet Movie the other night. Great. Seriously, you need to watch The Muppet Movie. Yeah. Did you like The Muppets when you were younger? Yeah, great. Everyone loved The Muppets. Yeah. Yeah, The Muppets. It's The Muppet Show. Rainbow Connection is classic. Oh, it's in the movie, John. Yeah. Seriously, and you've got kids now, so you can use it as an excuse. You get a bit emotional. Right. Because the thing is, you're quite attached to the characters. What other characters did you like in The Muppets? Uh, the Oogly Moogly The Dutch chef, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, he's in it. He's quite funny. He's got a few funny lines. It's got Kermit, it's got Ralph, it's got um, Fuzzy Bear. Yeah, nice. Small. Miss Piggy. Miss Piggy, yeah. Hi, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, see? Okay. yeah. Well, that was it. So seriously, it's quite nostalgic because it it brings back, especially if you're of our age. Mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, it, it, you get a bit emotional at times. Like they do because the, they basically bring him at the old show, mm-hmm. and they do the intro at the start. Where you know, the, and mm-hmm. <sighs> find yeah. the tears. Yeah. But on the total opposite of that, there's a movie called The Raid, which you probably haven't heard of, but it's an oh. Indonesian film. Subtitles, you know, because I'm intelligent, but it's actually. Yeah. <laughs> I, but you don't need it. It's just this action-packed film where there's, yeah. it's just probably the best action film I've seen in 15 years. Like, it's just nice. awesome. So if you want to check out a really good action film, check out The Raid. Nice. Anyway, Coach's Corner. We've had a, a crappy season of racing so far. We have had a, a particularly bad weather-wise, haven't we? Yeah, Challenge Monica, it was, uh, it was windy as hell. Ironman New Zealand um, got uh, blown off, basically. Uh, blown off. <laughs> Ironman South Africa um, was abysmal weather as well. And there was somewhere else... Um, at uh, St George last couple of weekends yep. ago again. Did, did you see the video? I put the video on the website. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah, so we've had some tough conditions, and thankfully, yeah, apart from Ironman New Zealand, that was the only one that got shortened. And otherwise, you just had to get out there, suck it up, and get on with the business. So, just sort of a few basic tips for. Um, you know, preparing yourself for the potential that the race might have a shocker in terms of the weather. Um, <clears throat> The first one is pretty straightforward. It's to make sure you train in tough conditions. So we don't, I don't recommend going out and riding in snow and rain and sleet and what have you. But if it's windy as hell, you just got to get out there and suck it up. And, oh, sometimes and, in the rain. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. But it depends on the rain. Yeah, when, summer rain's not so bad. Winter rain... Mm, it's funny, you know, because it's funny how motivation changes in life, doesn't it? Mm. You know, because nowadays I'm not... So motivated towards an Ironman goal, so you. Know, but I was the guy who pretty much would train in all kinds of conditions. Like, mm. and nowadays you see guys like in the morning on a rainy day, will be driving to the gym or, or sometimes biking to the gym. But you see these guys going out for big training sessions, and you think animal. And <laughs> yeah, but this used to be us. So training in the tough conditions, especially in the wind. Um, now you sometimes have to modify your sessions a bit. You know, it's, it's sometimes harder to do sets when you've got a tailwind, or it's sometimes harder to keep your Heart rate in, in the right sort of zone when you've got. If you're working to power, it's not so bad, would it be? No, it's not so bad, but it's still harder to keep your power up when you when you've got a tailwind and yeah. uh, and you do crawl a bit when you're going into a headwind. So you just need to be be ready for that, and you do need to. Um, I can't remember if I've got, put that down there, but when you just you pointed that out, you do need to be ready to have you know not necessarily a perfectly steady day. You know, if it's going to be windy as hell, you, you need to have the ability so you've got some variation in your zones and you don't just always train exactly at one particular wattage um, because if the wind does blow it is going to vary a little bit so that's tip number one is to make sure that you train in tough conditions especially the wind. 
Uh, when the wind's blowing as well, we often see choppy swims. You know, Challenge Wanaka um, yep. the year before last they had a choppy swim. It's certainly in St George, um, it looked like a very, very tricky swim. And a couple of tips around that is... Um, you want to keep your head as low as possible when you're sighting. Yeah, so sometimes that's a bit of a challenge because uh, you've got to be able to sight the boys. But um, uh, you often see it when the, we- when the tr- weather conditions are tricky and it's choppy. People are lifting their head even more than normal. And because you're in chop, you- your hips are just going to be bloody scraping along the bottom of the-, the lake. So trying to keep your head low when you're sighting is really key. And not to be sighting. Like some people sight every couple of strokes. Um, you just got to try to get your line and then... Uh, Crack on with it and sight from time to time. Is it also about timing the sight? You know, mm. if it's very choppy, you want to be trying to time the sight on the way down, don't you? On the way up, when you're at the when you're at the peak is when you yeah be, yeah um, when yeah you, sorry you're yeah doing it. So, so you kind of you get sight then and then when it comes down yeah, yeah. totally. So if, if you're in like a, in Kona, then when it's a bit more swelly, then yeah when you can you can feel those swells going up when you're at the top of the swell, boom, that's when you want to be sighting and a quick uh, lift of your head as low as you possibly can and and get get your bearings and carry on. And that's probably my next one is is um, whenever you can using landmarks rather than swim buoys for your sighting, especially when the conditions are tough. Because nice, that's a good one, John. Yes, because often in tough conditions, I mean, I, you can't, I can't see hardly any swim buoys whatsoever. I've got pretty crappy sight at the best of times. Um, so some, some races it's not possible, but some, you know, say if you're swimming straight out to sea in Kona, then you, there's no landmarks to look at. But as part of your preparation, making sure you really do have a good visual on some key landmarks. So if you can't see the boys, you can see, see where, you, where you're going. And I guess the final one with the swim in, in tough conditions is that you can get seasick. And, and do people uh, really get seasick? Oh, yeah. Really? yeah especially wow. in, um, in sort of <clears throat> swelly ones. No, definitely. The, um, and especially people who are not so experienced, it's, it's a real risk. And there's not a lot you can do about it. Um, sometimes people, it, it can be because people move their head up and down a little bit too much. Um, but sometimes it just happens. And I think the key thing there is if it has been a rough, rough swim, and if you are feeling a bit sick when you, you come out of the swim or a bit nauseous, then actually recognising that, hey, that's probably a result of, of the sea conditions and not panicking and thinking, I've completely blown my nutrition, I've stuffed something up here with my nutrition, yep. just recognising that it's seasickness and you're probably just going to need to chill out a bit at the start of the bike, just get, your, get yourself um, calm and, and pull yourself together and then carry on with your nutrition plan. The danger can be that you think, oh, my, I've, I've stuffed up my nutrition and, and not eat for a really long period. I think it's a case of just trying to sit, calm things down a little bit and then then getting stuck into your nutrition plan rather than ignoring it for hours on end. Um, moving on to the bike, when the, the, in really windy conditions, um, we often see, or tricky conditions, we often see people falling off their nutrition plan. So making sure you've got a nutrition plan and, and sticking to it is critical because, you know, in Kona, if you're cranking into some um, horrendous gale force wind, concentration levels are going to be very, very high and you can often just forget about your nutrition. So having a watch that beeps, if you're going to stick, yeah, say, so to a 20-minute sort of interval um, can really help you stay on top of that but that is something that people can often let go a little bit. It's also you know if we talk about concentration and the fact that you're working really hard just to kind of head down bum up fight the battle Mm. to go that every you know your watch beeps every 20 minutes it's also a bit of mental relief you know Mm. okay I can I can chill for a bit for a minute get some food into me and then set myself up for the next period of time. Because I know with bike racing, it's always so hard to stay on top of your nutrition because oh, you're, you're so con- concentrating so hard. Morning, Joe. 
uh, you're concentrating so hard to stay in the pack or watch what's going on and, and not crash and then um, having to focus on nutrition bike racing is very very difficult yeah um uh, and this is something that really gets me is when it's wind, windy and it's rainy and it's cold in a race and you see people racing around in speedos and then you see them complaining about it being cold afterwards it, it, uh, it baffles me people. put the gear on team put the gear on take a couple of minutes get some gear on um, get some arm warmers on get a get a, a, a vest or a, or a jacket on it costs you one minute maybe to get it all on and uh, and gosh, staying warm makes such a big difference to your performance Obviously, the big one on the bike is going to be windy, and that's what we've seen at most of the races this year. <clears throat> Trying to stay aero is key, making sure you use your gears appropriately so you're not crunching too big a gears into the wind, and you're making sure you stay on top of your, your bigger gears with the tailwind. And as I said earlier, really important that in your training, that say you're doing an Ironman set and uh, you say you're doing, I don't know, three by one hour at Ironman effort, making sure that you do have, sometimes from time to time, have a bit of variation in that so you do have the ability to, to up it slightly if you need to, if you're battling against a, battling against the wind, rather than always just constantly keeping it at one gear because at times you may need to get out of your your optimal Ironman zone or go a little bit above it. Obviously, if you go massively above it, you're going to start sacrificing yourself for further in the race, but just having that ability to, to change up and down a bit as, as required. And for those that don't have a power meter, um, really important that uh, you don't crunch it too hard going into the headwind and then and then adver- uh, also taking it too easy on the tailwind. Um, I, I had a guy the other day who's got, got a, power, a new power meter, first time he's used it, and he was... Uh, he was really struggling initially. It was it was a windy day to, to try to get that even power yeah. up in the yep. wind and with the tailwind. Um, you know, he was going relatively slowly into the wind, and uh, and then with the tailwind to keep his power up, he he really had to work a bit harder than what he normally would have if he was just going off perceived efforts. So, um, careful not to go too hard into the wind, and making sure you take advantage of the tailwind. And when the weather's crap, you know, just making sure you keep. Keep on top of short-term goals. You know, just have you know, go aid station to aid station, whether it be on the bike or on the run. And uh, and rather than thinking, you know, holy crap, I've got got to ride 90 k's into this headwind. Um, just little short-term goals. The run is not usually such a big issue when it's crappy weather. Uh, I guess the only two two things you factor in there is you just need to adjust your pace if you're running to pace when you've got a, a tail or headwind. And then secondly, if you if you're one of the sort of more back of the pack athletes is just factoring in if it's going to be cold yeah. you can get pretty cold on the run because you're not you're not operating at a particularly high intensity so you can cool off quite a bit so making sure that you do pack a few um, you know or even just carrying a jacket around your waist so if you, if, if, or, or a polyprope something like that so if it does really cool down say after dark then uh, then you're not going to not going to freeze I think one thing as well is if, if it is a tough day if you're turning up time in St George and you're, you've got a goal time you know like for you if you're just trying to finish you know some of this stuff's easier to do if you're, if you're just going to the race and you're going you know what today I need to finish the race mm. You kind of go, oh, I don't mind if I could take five minutes in transition to get warm gear on. But if you're going for, you know, I want to get that sub-10, that, you know, fine, I've trained really hard, and you turn up, and it's just crazy St. George weather, mm. you've got to kind of concede that it's not going to happen that day. Mm. And instead of your focus being on, oh, I suck, or, you know, going to that bad place, it's more around the idea of, okay, well, what can I still make out of this day? You know, what mm. can be the experience that I could still be proud of? Because at the end of the day, 
we can't, the, these things are external of us and it's more what internal decisions do we make that still make us successful in this race. And oh. so, you know, you're like, you might look at Albert who rode six hours in St. George, which is pretty slow for Albert, mm. you know, but he's still got second in his age group. So I'm sure he's still pretty proud of his race day. And so, you know, you've got to kind of, you've got to, you, you have to accept that early on mm. because if you spend your whole day beating yourself up or getting frustrated with the weather, that's not the right place to be in your mind space for the race. So, totally. yeah, so. so- Somebody who was in the right space for the oh, here we go. Somebody who wasn't in the right mind space for racing at the weekend was uh, Leslie Pet- Patterson, from- and she's now a multiple world champion. So she's won Xterra World Champs before, and now she is the ITU Cross World Champion, and she is an extreme endurance user. So if you want to check out um, the athletes, uh, some of the pro athletes that are in in elite age group athletes that are, that are on extreme endurance and a bit about their story go to xendurance.com slash athletes and Leslie's up there along with good old Bevan McKinnon who we had on the show a while ago you got Matt Malloy I didn't see how Matt Malloy did in uh, I think he got sixth in his age group sixth in his age group struggled in the run at, at the end of the run I saw on Facebook he was struggling a little bit towards the end of the run but still pretty I think he got his well no he I think he either got sixth or seventh yeah but they were going down to fifth in the in the Kona slots. Oh, get a roll down. So while well, he was hoping, it was the next day. That's the last I saw. So hopefully he got there. So Matt Malloy, make sure you bring your wetsuit if you're coming to Kona this year. We want to see you uh, in the wetsuit challenge. Lucy Zelnikova, who's uh, won challenge races. I'm pretty sure she's won Ironman races as well. Um, she's on it. Of course, Yvonne Van Vlerken. Um, Heath Thorson, He was uh, on Epic Camp a while ago. Machine swimmer. Tasman. Tasman Lewis, isn't she? She's got a real good pose going on. If you've got to go onto this xendurance.com slash athletes, and she's standing on the bike, really pushing herself out there oh, on the that's bike. Right. Um, Heidi Jesperger, Helene Bedevar, and of course Timo Bracht, who we're going to see. You know, as much as we don't want to see Cam Brown get crushed at, uh, at Challenge Right, you know, Timo's going to have that upper hand on him with the extreme endurance, I think. So, Cam, you know. Oh, DC United, John. Soccer team. Nice. That, that's. that's um it's the uh, American League, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you know your football. Oh, you know. Who I love won the Champions League this week? Um, Chelsea. Nice. I sat up all night and watched it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I loved or, it. Or you got up early. Dogra. Dogra, what's his name? Drogba. That guy, too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. This is his brother, Dogra. Or you, or you even got up in the morning and watched it at a reasonable hour. No, no. I, I, was, I was up all night, John. Yeah. yeah. Loved it. You must have, I was like, go Champions League. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It started about 60. Go years. soccer. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> so if you want to get yourself some ex endurance, go to. Um, who's Chris? Carissa. Wernick, you click on her because you've got the... Where, where am I? She obviously looks like a triathlete. Where, where, Carissa Wernick, middle of the page on the left-hand side. Click on her, tell us about her. Okay, well, Carissa Wernick, she's placed for Championship League Team Chelsea, <laughs> uh, who was credited for father getting into a running promise, cycling Chicago Triathlon, where uh, debut, wearing baggy shocker shorts. Um, she's amazing, John. She is, and she's yep. an ex-endurance athlete. So if you want to get your ex-endurance, go to exendurance.com, use the code IMTALK, and you get yourself a nice discount. Anybody who's coming over to my Kona camp, Gonna get yourself a little bit of extreme endurance. Well, they've got a football player as well, Spencer Hendale. Who's he? He's a fierce competitor <laughs> and a passionate coach. <laughs> oh, he's, he's CrossFit. CrossFit. Oh, he got ninth at the World CrossFit Games. There you go. Oh, nice. So, as I said, on xendurance.com, most of these athletes are up there, and a lot of them have got their little um, video blog as to um, how they sort of use the product. We know they use them in different ways. Hal Tao, of course, with his world rowing record, and Yvonne Van Vlerken, who uses it um, in races as well. So, get onto it, xendurance.com. Uh-
voice went a bit funny there, so I was kind of had to go up. That's all right. That's Pete it. Triclops Hagen. That's a great one, eh? It's a good one. It's because he had that. Um, yeah, he had the head thing, didn't he? The camera. Oh, that's right. It was the camera. Mm. Mm. Can't remember what the camera band's called, but it'll come to me later on. It's just the ones that people have on their bikes and stuff. Yeah, they're pretty funky, though. There was a good one in New Zealand not so long ago. There's a guy who had one of the cameras on his mountain oh, bike. Brilliant. And uh, he was riding behind this. The guy was riding behind him, was it? No, no he, he was. It was on a single single track mountain so, bike track. That's right. And so what happened was this guy was riding his bike. He's behind the slow guys, and I think he just kind of goes, "Oh, can I pass?" And the guy just got Mr. Angry, didn't he? he turned into the Incredible Hulk, didn't he? Oh, and, he and he hit him, didn't he? There's always there's often more to the story than the, I mean the, the guy. Wow, well, it looked pretty obvious. Yeah, but uh, you only saw a clip of the story. You might you may who knows what might have been said John, before that. You can never condone violence. I'm not condoning violence. I'm just, just saying, saying there might be hugs, more not to the drugs. Story. But anyway, it was all over the the news in New Zealand, and the guy ended up getting busted and got identified on social media and stuff. Yeah, pretty funny. Yeah, so have a camera because you just don't trust. I saw another one the other day actually where a car had an in- insight camera and this guy was walking across the road and the car was slowing for him and the guy pretended that he got hit by the car and got injured. Ah. And it was and and, it was, and the guy was going, oh, yeah, I'm suing you and all the rest of it. And the guy goes, I've got a camera. And, yeah, <laughs> and the guy's yeah. like a right mug. Uh, anyway, uh, Pete the Cyclops guru, uh, not the guru, it's Pete the Cyclops Hagen has sent through the bike fit guru. Bicycle fit guru even. Yeah, that guy too. Yeah. Yep. Dot com. There you go. And it's our website of the week. Move on. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, that's it. this week's no. website. So the website is Bicycle Fit Guru, and it's um, it's really a guy that is, as you would probably imagine, a bicycle fit guru. He's but, quite zen, isn't he? Look yeah. at him. He's even got a zen picture. Yeah. It's obviously a, a bike fitting guy from, from the US, who, and, and he said he's been made some incredible progress with his cycling efficiency only after a few months. I'm seeing big improvements. This is Pete. Uh, Pete Pete's doing, been doing that. Um, he's been seeing this guy, is he? Yes. I wish, balls I'd, I wish I'd been fit for my bike when I was 20. We're actually on take two. We've had technical, lots of technical problems today, haven't we? Technical issues. Oh, man. So if I repeat anything I said, I apologise, because we didn't go back too far to see when we actually when we actually stopped. But um, we've got a little bit of a theme over this show and next show in terms of... Oh, have we? Bike, no, I didn't know there was a theme. Bike fitting. Um, next week we've already done an interview, because I'm in Kona with uh, Matt Steinmetz, who advises Craig Alexander on training and also equipment choices, and he's uh, a bike fitter as well. Um, so we talked to him a bit, a bit about it. But it's just such an important part of um, your, your setup, and, and yes, it costs a little bit of extra money. But I think when you factor it into the the big picture, like this guy here, I think charges uh, three hundred bucks to, to get a, a fairly comprehensive bike fit done. I think it's really money well spent. I guess sometimes you often do have to get equipment on top of that. He may be making changes to your your stem length, or um, whether you need to get new shoes or, or different pedals. Um, well, no, I was looking at. I think he goes to the bike shop with you. Right. Yeah, when okay. you actually choose your bike, you, you, there's an option to do that. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he can go and go, actually, this is what you need to buy. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. So, so um, it's just a, it's a critical part of your overall performance, not only because it is such a personal thing and it's very much a, an art in terms of bike setting up. If you've got a, you know, if, if there's, you, there's two six-foot people standing next to each other who've got pretty similar makeups, their bike fit still might be quite different. Oh, depending their body's on their, different, yeah. Yeah, depending yeah. on their... Their flexibility, um, what position they've they've ridden in the past, uh, and then you know you've got to look at your power output. So you look at your um, your aerodynamic efficiencies, but you also look at your power efficiencies in terms of how you're best to be suited, uh, how best to be set up on the on the, the bike. 
based on your. I'm just, I'm just worried we're gonna we're gonna crap out again here again. Um, you know, depending on your your limb lengths, etc. So important on on a number of fronts, and also to make sure that you're comfortable on the bike. There's so many people that just say, oh, they're never comfortable on the bike. Of course, when you get later in the bike ride in an Ironman race, you're going to be a bit uncomfortable for a number of reasons. But you need to make sure that um, you are comfortable on the bike is really important. Well, and, and like I was saying last time we did this segment, far out. <laughs> well. <laughs> So oh. I'm sitting here, Bevan's, Bevan's doing on, on his page, and he's put a Bevan with a love heart next to Joe with an Joe. arrow through it. I love Joe. I do love Joe John. Somebody, uh, the other day, and we're getting off topic here, but I mean, I was uh, I bumped into your friend... Um, Jeff the Ref? His, his wife. Kate. Kate. And she was saying, you put something up on Facebook, oh, I love you, Joe. And well, I was like, away for a week. Yeah. But, I, but, 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 but then, and then she ripped into your Facebook. I found it pretty entertaining. No, John, there's a lot of love in our relationship. <laughs> and, and when you love someone, John, okay, you but, need to express it. Yeah, but express it to her, not to the... Well, the I did. It was to her on her Facebook. Okay. Yeah, sure, everyone else saw it. Joe, Joe, Joe. Uh, she said to me, thanks, but that was really nice. Kate, Kate had a good chuckle about that. As, as did I. Got a hold of love. But back, back to the bike fitting. <laughs> okay, so anyway, so the one thing is is that with bike fitting, it's really important because when we think about efficiency of movement, we, we want to get all the different muscle groups working in the correct way and balancing it out so that you're not overloading. So like when we think about running, we think about people who drop their hips, they're bucketing, and so they're going to overload certain areas. And it's the same with the bike. If you're positioned incorrectly, that the fatigue factor in those certain areas will fatigue earlier in the race. Now, sure, if you're always riding that way, that you'll condition yourself that way, but also it will kind of affect you. And if you get off the bike and you fatigue your legs because you know your, your butt more than your, your quads, it's all going to it all kind of comes together, doesn't it? And so mm. we've got to make sure that by being more set up on the bike, it's not just about efficiency of you know aerodynamic and all the rest of it. It's also about efficiency of the way your body is moving on the bike. And I think it is worthwhile. Just spending a bit of money on if you need to travel to a good bike fitter. It's bloody, how do you know what's a good bike fitter and stuff as well? Oh, <laughs> Evan loves me as well. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so I think it is worthwhile, you know, investing a bit of um, time and money to, to travelling to a good bike fitter and, and getting yourself sorted out. Best time of the year to probably be doing it is more in your off season than in your in season or earlier in your in season of racing. Yeah. Not, you know, not because it's a big adjustment, out. isn't it? If you oh, get yeah. bike fitting and and because most most people, what happens is they go to the bike shop buy a bike the guy behind the counter will kind of quickly put your seat up to the height he thinks yep. but there's a big difference between that and seeing the bike guru mm. or the bicycle guru.com <laughs> um, bicyclefitguru.com because these guys will spend a couple hours of you and they'll measure every part you mm. know and that, that attention to detail actually does help mm. so so uh, we were discussing in our previous take I think our previous take was better to be honest yeah, yeah. if anybody knows of any um, online places that do yeah. they, they believe do a, a really good job because whilst we say travel you know if, if you live in the middle of uh, the Middle East or something or, or in, in a lot of places in Asia then you may not have a good person in, in your area and to, when we say travel to a place you know it's not really sometimes economic to travel all the way to the States so if you know of any good online places just um, let us know I'll post it on our Facebook page Rock and Roll Team Sponsor Coffees of Hawaii No we're doing that one afterwards Oh but you said we've still got the other one Okay we'll do it now <laughs> okay, coffee's up. So I'm off to Kona this week, Bevan. And unfortunately, <laughs> we're not going to the other side of the island. I've never been to the other side of the island where Hilo is. Maybe um, we should do it. Oh, we're too busy this it's week. Quite yeah. long, it's quite a long way around to the other side. I would, I would estimate it's a couple of hundred k's, I think, to the other oh, side really? of the island. Oh, really? On the big island? Maybe it's not quite. Can you go over far. the top? No, you can't. 
Oh, maybe you can, but it's a bit dodgy. So anyway, the other side of the island on Kona is Hilo, um, and that's quite different to the to the um, the Kailua side where the Ironman's held because pretty it's, good with the names, mate. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's very much a rainforest over there and, and very wet as opposed to the other side, which is basically lava fields. So the coffees of Hawaii have a Hilo coffee. It's called Fragrant Rain. A Hilo. Kini Luha Hua. Kini Luha, we'll go with that. Um, our bright, full-bodied, 100% Hilo coffee is roasted mildly to retain its fresh essence. Hints of butter and spice are rounded out with floral aftertones. The perfect cup to serve alongside your favourite dessert or morning pastry. We should have this on Wednesday night for for uh, for Legends of Triathlon interview. You want, you want coffee and pastry? Yeah. It's morning pastry. We're doing it at night time. She said fav- well, with your favourite dessert. Oh, because what happened was... Melina's coming around. We, we, we had someone. Melina's always going to be our backup for legends, and we're pulling the backup pretty early on in the piece, aren't we? Oh, no. <laughs> because we had someone else hooked up, and it's just not working out, is it? No, but it will, know, will happen. I was thinking this morning, we need to get um, Joe Ferrell on. Yep. Yeah, he'd be easy, yeah. wouldn't he? Um, doesn't matter, but yep, yep, no, we've got the contacts there, so yeah. But anyway, um, so Melina's coming around here on Wednesday night, and I said, Joe, oh, Wednesday night, Melina's coming around, we're doing, she goes, Oh, why don't I make dessert and get some drinks and stuff? Mm. And my girl rocks, that's why I love her, John, because she yeah. just thinks like that. Mm. I wouldn't have thought of that, Melina. So if you, if you listen to this and you're before Wednesday night, just think yourself lucky because I think you'll get getting a nice dessert. And unfortunately, probably not enough time to get the Hilo coffee over, but um, if you want to get some, two ounces, 375, eight ounces, 1528, three pounds is 56 bucks. And if you want to go the full Monty and get yourself a five-pound bag, 111 bucks, use the codes uh, IAMTALK or go to IAMTALK.me, click on the Coffees of Hawaii logo, and there's a couple of other codes you can use here as well. But get on there. And okay, John. Well, Coffee Facts for this week. I'm starting to run oh, out yes. of Coffee Facts. So if you want to send me more, more Coffee Facts through. Now, these ones came from Stuart Moore. Stuart, was it Stuart the Scud Missile? I can't remember. Anyway, Stuart, Stuart, this is almost a Stuart Moore show because he, I think he contributed the uh, hot topic of the week too. Let me. Just... He did. He did. I think he did. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was higher. It was lower. Oh. Oh. Anyway, coffee's uh, coffee. Coffee, John. Have I talked about decaffeinated coffee? Uh, did you talk about it last week? F- fill me in again. Uh, I'm getting low on the facts. Yeah. Decaffeinated coffee uses chemicals. Yeah, no, you've used that. Oh uh, no, can keep you up at night. Yeah. Caffeine is not the bitter culprit. No, I don't think you used oh, here we go, John. Here we go. Yes. <laughs> Caffeine is not the main bitter compound in coffee. Rather, pugnant prepreptors. Uh, Sat quietly and quickly. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Are the antioxidants actually? Right. Uh, so there you go. So if you got a bit of coffee, it's not it's not the caffeine. It's the antioxidants. Right. So there you go. Yeah. Any others? Have you done all ten? Have you? Well, coffee. Was, so we've done the goats. Yeah. We? Yep. Done we've done the six drive. Six drive, we've done, depends on roasting and brewing, I think we've done that. Yeah. We've done the, the yeah. bitter now, we've done decaffeinated chemicals, we've done decaf what coffee. About, oh, we haven't done that, it's decaf coffee has caffeine. Oh, okay, John, here we go. Here we go. Decaf coffee has caffeine. If you drink five to ten cups of decaf, <laughs> decaffeinated coffee, you can get just as much caffeine from one or two cups of caffeinated coffees, a study has found. But you've only got to have five to ten cups. Hey, just saying. Just saying. We've done coffee, caffeine can keep you up at night, Yes. Might cut pain, we did that one. Six, it's female sex drive, that's the key, John. Yes, yes. It's not male, we've always got sex drive, yeah, yeah. let's be honest. <laughs> but female. There you go. Joe's been having 20 cups a night, it's yeah. sensational. Um, can be good for you 
and can kill you. <laughs> so there's a contradiction. Okay, we haven't done the kill, kill you one. Okay. Copy Still key. save that for next week. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Probably not the best advertisement the coffee can kill you, but... You will, um, it is extreme. It is extreme. It is extreme. And, and yeah, so that's next... Oh, that's a good teaser. If you want to get your Coffees of Hawaii, go to coffeesofhawaii.com. Okay, questions and answers. And James Bowe, the wise one, Bowe, he went over and did a camp at um, the Pyrenees Multisport. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Oh. I'm going to Europe. Maybe I should set up a camp. Go for it. I can't bother training. Yeah, there you go. No, I can't, maybe next year. Do you <laughs> want to go to Europe next year? Because uh, we're going to Europe next year. I'm, I'm looking at uh, Phuket. Why don't you come up to Phuket? Uh, Europe. Because yeah, okay. Pyrenees multi-sport camps are easy to put on, aren't they? Uh, yep, they are. Yeah, because yeah. those guys rock. There you go. But just saying, because the thing is, because I travel so much, I've got lots of air points. Mm-hmm. I've got enough air points, isn't it, to get three adults to Europe Okay. Yeah. So what we're doing is we're going to take Belinda and Joe, and then you pay, you pay, you pay for your ticket. <laughs> yeah, okay. Lock it in, and then that's what Lock it in, Eddie. No, we're going to take Tyler and Joe and me. That was the good one. But we're going next year, so maybe you can you and Belinda go over as well. Leave the kids at home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just we we'll have a camp. Yeah. Because camp your car rocked. Yeah. It does. It's a good camp. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So next year, September. Lock it in, Eddie. Lock it in. Okay, questions. Is, but anyway, James, Pyrenees multi-sport, get there, guys. Any chances that John Newsom, without an E, could go over how he uses TP and some of the features he likes? And this is with training picks, obviously. Mm. I've often thought about the software service, and I'm getting to the tipping point, given that Iron Tilt Boards has scored a discount. Really welcome you guys spending more time on reviewing the podcast. Get a point review if you see it. Also, I have another question regarding Ferry's training Bible books. Uh, he talks about. Do you want to go into that one? Yep. Yep. Okay. Abandoning workouts if the heart rate fade is too great. If so, heart rate raises by too much, or the pace drops by too much for a given heart rate. He advises breaking off and abandoning the workout. What's John's perspective on this? Sorry, James. Take me a while to pull this one up. I just noticed that you sent it sort of at uh, the end of January. So apologies about that. Yeah. Um, so, firstly, on um, abandoning workouts, um, if heart rate fade is too too great, I'm not a big. Uh, I think abandoning workouts and well, races. You still and get stuff, home, don't you? Yeah, is, 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 is somewhat <laughs> tricky. Um, but you've got to be a, a bit careful, and I tend to encourage people to use not just one indicator, but several indicators if they need to abandon training. And it's it's a, yeah, it's 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 a it's a tricky one, um, and it it's sort of. Depends if I like to see patterns. So if you're having three bad sessions in a row, two or three bad sessions in a row, then patterns. then then you start to get a little bit worried. If it's just a, a one off, then I tend to say, you know, just push through it and you may need to adjust that session slightly, but rather than totally abandoning it, that's it's it's a slightly different otherwise you just become too picky and choosy with um oh, I just feel a little bit off today. I'm not gonna do that yeah, hard session. Totally. Yeah. And, it becomes feeling, an excuse, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. or I'm I'm not gonna go out training today. And so often we see um that once you actually get out there and get going that you're okay. So Abandoning workouts is a bit dangerous, but your question was really about around heart rate fade and, and using the science to say, hey, it's not it's not happening for me today. But I'll generally use a couple of indicators in terms of if you're feeling crappy, if your heart rate's soaring, and if um, or if it's or if it's fading really low and your pace is crappy, you've had a crappy sleep or something like that. Then sometimes in some instances there's a case. I haven't got an exact number for you in terms of if your heart rate is. 10 beats too high at a particular pace, then you, then you should abandon it. But um, it's just, I'd, I'd encourage you to go and look at an article um, 
that Joe Friel's got some where up on training picks or just do a search on decoupling and, and that can, can also give you some answers in terms of if you've, you, you, you've smoked a session too quickly and, and your heart rate's soaring versus what your pace is, it means you've probably gone out often a little bit too hard in that session and um, or you just don't have the fitness to maintain that sort of pace. So if you read up on decoupling, that might help you a little bit as well. Um, so main answer there is if you're looking for, if you're abandoning a workout, if you've sickness, if you've got sickness, then that's sometimes a good reason to, to potentially abandon workouts. Um, and if you're in that sort of that valley of overtraining where you're having several bad workouts in a row and your heart rate's um, quite suppressed as well, then overtraining is a totally different topic and then it's not necessarily a case of just abandoning that workout, it's having a look at your whole overall where you're actually, where you're actually at. Um, and I think the main you know, key sessions is where we've got to um, focus our attention at. And if you're planning out your week and you're going, right, I've got a key session this Saturday, then um, you don't want to be smoking yourself. You don't want to have excuses when you go into your key session. If you've smoked yourself all week and you've got a, an absolute critical session on Saturday, so it's a key ride, then you need to be preparing yourself so when it comes to that session, you're not smoked, whether it be recovery from training or preparing yourself um, with appropriate sleep or or trying to ease off work a little bit when you're in the key part of your season. So making sure you arrive at your key session so you're not going to have those those excuses that are, oh, you know, I've had a, a, a crappy week, I've smoked myself, and then you, you're a bit suppressed for your key session. So try to structure your week so you're ready for those workouts. So to answer your, your question, James, around heart rate, um, use it as an indicator, but probably don't use it as the sole indicator. And if you see a pattern of training coming in that you're having multiple crappy sessions where your heart rate's suppressed, then you need to take a step back and not just look at that session in isolation. Look, hey, have I started to overcook myself? And you might need to have a couple of easier days rather than necessarily <coughs> totally abandoning that session and abandoning training for a couple of days. Your other question around um, training peaks um, and a couple of the key things that I really like about that. From a coach-athlete perspective, um, I find it, it's, it's a much better method for me in terms of um, keeping a better channel of communication open and getting better interaction in terms of me being able to see what the athlete is doing on a, on a more regular basis rather than waiting for the, the training log to always come in. From the athlete's perspective, um, the positives I've seen out of it since I've changed over is athletes are typically doing a better job of tracking their training and they're finding well, it a lot easier. Yeah, I just think that is because your technology devices are so much easier. You know, like mm. I was hopeless at training diaries, and you, mm. you know, when you coached me in my early days, you used to say, I was still training, and I never did it. Mm. And whereas nowadays, <clears throat> with my iPhone, you know, you just bang, two seconds and it's done. Exactly, and that's the, the feedback <coughs> that I get is most of the athletes these days have got um, a GPS device for, for running and if they don't have a power meter then they can just use that on the bike as well. So then, boom, they're running and they're, um, all their running and all their cycling is taken care of. They just need to upload those files and, of course, I like to see comments on, on how they felt, but that, the, the, the data is just so easy. They don't have to go to a spreadsheet. So their compliance in terms of keeping a log is a lot better and then what I find is the athletes are actually taking a bit more ownership of actually looking at what they're doing rather than just following the schedule. Mm. They're actually looking at what they're doing. So the, you know, the big part of coaching is, is about 
sharing your knowledge oh, and the, feedback and, as well and the athlete the yeah. athlete needs to learn because with remote coaching you're generally not going to be there on race day and if you're coaching yourself same deal as well then you can start to analyze your what you're actually doing in a bit more detail some people go and take that to the, the nth degree and they spend more time looking at their files and what they do training and so that's a, a bit of a challenge but for most athletes if they can spend a little bit longer actually looking at what they're doing again looking for patterns and this sort of stems back to your question around the heart rate, that may be um, a consequence of a pattern of things that you've done before a particular session and then you don't want to be repeating that. So that's what I'm finding really powerful. Um, and the athletes seem to um, enjoy keeping a log a lot more. They're looking at their charts, and that's one of the things about training peaks when you can look at your charts. Just some of the simple ones that the athletes quite enjoy. They're able to now you know, just track their weekly weekly run volume with GPS that they may not have done before. They've probably had a ballpark idea of, of what they've been doing, but now they're actually able to track exactly how much running, exactly how much cycling they're doing on a weekly basis. They can see the progression, and, and so they buy into the whole program just a little bit more, and that's what you sort of get from, from having the, the paid version on Training Peaks, the premium version, where you can actually look at those charts a bit more. So um, that's just a quick summary. I could harp on, harp on forever, but I found it a really effective coaching tool, and the athletes um, seem to be learning more as well, which is what it is about at the end of the day. So if you want to get yourself the premium version, James, if you haven't already done so, use the code IMTALK and click on the logo on imtalk.me, and you get yourself a 15% discount. It's only 100, I think it's 119 bucks for the year minus 15%, so it's like 8 bucks a month or something, so it's a great tool. Grant Smith's got sent through a question. He's got a good question, hoping that you guys can help with. In my training plan for Ironman Wales this year, I decided to mix up my plan a bit to suit my life and more to restore the life-wife-trife balance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this mix essentially is that I've moved my long run to the traditional Sunday to Monday. Sunday is now my rest day, although I'm still keen to swim. All my clubmates think uh, this isn't a good, a very good idea, arguing you need to be learning to run on tired legs. Well, I know what it's like to run on tired legs. Who doesn't? But it is not the only reason to do it. My argument for moving the long run of apart from the fact that it suits my missus better, hence all important relationship points. I think I run a lot better, thus the longer run becomes much higher quality rather than an Iron Man zombie shuffle. This isn't to say I'll never do it. Some weekends it just suits me better to, and thus I will do it. I always run long off my bike, 15 minutes, or run off my bike, 15 minutes, building into the planned progressions. I also have two big training days planned, long swim, bike and run on the Saturdays however there is a rest in between each session explained here basically so his kind of thoughts basically he wants to get the balance thing right which is, is, is a hard thing to do in our sport and then he, he's, so he's trying to shift one of his longer weekend days to a Monday and make the run and his mates are saying well you know what you're not going to get as good a better session because you're not going to be so tired and he's arguing well maybe I will and actually it's better for my overall life so I think yeah, I think a bit of variety usually works well. You know, some some weeks to do your long run. Uh, you know, there's physical and mental adaptations that need to be made from from running tired or running fresh. So I think you do need to have um, a number of long runs in your build up where you are running tired, whether that be directly off the bike or running the next day after a um, a tough day prior but I think that the the way that you're looking at approaching it is mixing it up a bit I think is is the way to go you know doing some of your long runs fresh as you said you can get um, you, know, you probably feel a bit better about it you're probably going to improve your um, condition a little bit better but you, at the same time you do need that mental and physical adaptations from running 
in a tired state running off the bike. Um, so I'd say what you've got planned is um, looks perfectly fine. Um, you know, mix it up with running off the bike, running the next day, running fresh. Um, one thing I would comment, he's put in here a, a, you know, a link from Joe Friel's blog about um, doing an Ironman big day and you, you were saying that you were only going to do two of those, which is it's basically a simulation but it's a broken simulation, so it's a, it's a long swim and then an hour and a half break and then a, a long ride, an hour and a half break and then, then a long run. Um, and so I understand the concept of this training session, it, it probably won't take as much out of you but it's sort of staying having a meal between you know, a feed between the swim, the bike and the run um, and if you're only going to do two of these uh, I think it's a good session but I think you you also you definitely need to be doing some straight simulations because on race day you're not going to be having a breakfast in between yeah. your, your swim and your bike and so then your whole nutritional plan and that training session is going to end up being different to what it is come race day so I'd really encourage you to make sure that you actually probably have two straight simulations um, if you did the broken ones fine that's another session you could do but I really encourage people to do straight simulations um, again a number of adaptations but I think the critical one there is um, is running tired and getting your nutrition plan right and uh, and doing it as a swim bike run and I think that's one other point a lot of the time we, we what athletes fail to do is to do swim bike we, we do heaps and heaps of bike run, yeah. bike run but it's it's a really difficult thing to go from a long swim straight into a bike and I remember um, back in the days when Gordo was back here he used to quite regularly do that you know we'd do a Big swim set, you know, four to five k swim, and boom, straight out on the bike. There may be a bit of a break there, but you're still getting a good adaptation. But often, we often athletes don't do that. They get so hung up on the swim, uh, on the bike run, and they don't do the swim bike. So make sure you include a bit of that in your training as well. Okay, good times. Um, Morton Lebeck has sent through an, a blog post from Jody Swallow and just saying how kind of. How Olympic racing's pretty kind of full on, and she writes a little bit about. It was an interesting piece, wasn't it? Because she kind of writes about, you know, she's kind of excited to watch this year's races and who she kind of likes and the rest of it. Then she talks a little bit around the responsibility of the sport on looking after the esteem of athletes. And she, it, was, it was only a paragraph within the piece, but it was, it was it's an interesting discussion, isn't it? Is it up to sporting bodies to win Olympic gold medals and just spit people out until they get the winner, or is it up to them to also care for athletes? And, and she particularly talks about female athletes here mm. um, in regards to some weight issues and, and you know stuff like that. And um, you know, what responsibility should the sporting governing bodies take towards? What kind of people we're creating? It's a very, very tricky subject. Yeah. Because, you know, if you take this touchy feely approach where you, you know, you are looking after the athlete's long term welfare yep. and you take it really easy on them, then they're not going to, often not going to end up being incredible world class, um, world beating athletes. A lot of the athletes at the very, very top of the sport. There's a few things going on in those, those heads of theirs. Um, and, what are you saying? And it's 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 very tricky. I don't. I certainly don't have any. Don't have the answers for it. But um, one thing that. Well, I, but no, but I, I think the thing is that needs to be a discussion that's happening within sporting governing bodies. You know, just to say, well, you know, to be the best, you'll be pushed hard. Okay, sure that you know there's there's a part of that, that comes to it, but we you know as leaders of young people because really you know athletes mm. we're starting them young nowadays. You look at the mm. Brownleys; they're in the system since they're 15. We can't just be looking at them how do we get an Olympic gold medal and just spit them out. You know mm. if they go, there has to be a responsibility to the governing bodies to 
care for these people and look after for these kids. And I, I don't know if, you know, obviously this is an issue that's coming up more recently, but... Oh, no, man, this has been around. Okay, but but, yeah. but, but even more so now, because we are identifying that if we want to get champs, we've got to get them young. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, even more so, you know, that if we look at how... You know the, the the models happening towards sport. You know you are trying to set up foundations or, or government. You know things for kids that get them young and get them focused on one sport and get them you know to get the skill set and their development up really early. And so, you know, as a part of that, we need to be also having that discussion of well, what does that mean for our our kids as we're moving forward in a way to make them healthy people? Because you know, like at the end of the day, if we get an Olympic gold medal, great. But if we've destroyed a hundred people's lives in the process, is that worth it? Exactly. You know, and and an argument would say, well, it looks good for your sport, but really, what is the effect of our sport on the greater on the greater whole? And for me, you want both. You get into sports management, Bevan. Well, it, it's just it's a really tough discussion, oh, yeah. you know, and it's a, it is. because you, you don't want to create broken people. No, you know what I mean. And and, and if does your sport oh. create a destructive path that makes people leave the sport disliking themselves and being really low in esteem? Mm. And yeah, no, like, but I think the thing is, is that it, the discussion needs to be happening. You know what I mean? And, and from the discussion, actions probably come. Mm. Mm. One other thing. That Wait a second. Oh, you say is it the same topic? Same topic. One th- one thing that did I, I read her her posts there, but and she she talked about um, her picks for for the London Olympics, and she's saying with the girls is a really well established group of balanced girls there at the top now. You know, you've got Andrea Hewitt who's in a. Um, stable relationship and that she's yep. been around for a while and you've got Helen Jenkins and you've got um, um, Moffat and uh, and they're her picks she, she thinks the old not necessarily the old guard but the the ones that are established got balanced control so she's kind of saying that esteem or, or when you're more better in a better place within yourself you tend to be a better athlete mm. was kind of her argument exactly and she doesn't think she thinks the young guard aren't going aren't to come through your thoughts I'd, I'd agree with you that, that uh, all those girls and and you tend but even to see, Olympics. So I, I can see that in Ironman because Ironman you, you kind of that wise head thing. I think the, the Olympics is just such a big pressure cooker. And if you take out the first Olympics where you had a bit of a breakthrough from Simon Whitfield, you look at the other ones. Most of the established guards sort of came through and performed. Um, you know, you look at uh, Athens. It was Carter and Bevan Doherty who was fairly well established, and uh, and then in in Beijing, you had uh, Fredino. He did. He was a little bit of a breakthrough, but you had Whitfield. You had all the, the general contenders there. You had Whitfield and Bevan Doherty again, the guys that are, that can you know consistently can handle the pressure. Um, so that's the one thing with the Brownleys this year for the, on the guys' side of things is that they've been pretty resilient up to this stage. But the pressure in that race is going to be insane. Yeah, but you could also argue with the Brownleys that. They've been under pressure for the last two or three years. It's not like they're new to pressure. Yeah, but this is a different sort of pressure. It's totally different sort of pressure. So I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm intrigued to see how they handle it. Um, well, well you've, it, had, you've had guys like, um, you had plenty of world-class athletes before who've been clearly the best in, the, in their, mm. their fields and they just crumble on come race day. So I'm going to be really interested. She, does, she did say one thing that, that bugged me in her post. She said, Helen Jenkins deserves to win the gold medal at the Olympics. I don't think anybody deserves to no, win the gold medal. No. You've got to go out there and... Uh, you win the race. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a question, isn't it? It's that whole question of, you know, experience better than youth. And, you know, because, like, you look at the youth and you look at the Brownleys, for example, they, they're just faster mm. at the moment, you know, based on what's happening in the results. And uh, or hopefully Alistair can get back to, you know, injury and all the rest of it. But And so then 
that speed is you know that's ultimately what you want in a race but then experience of handling big games been mm-hmm. to the Olympics before you know how much is that worth on, on those events and yeah, this year is a real example of it, isn't it? Because you have these right. Brownlee boys that are just yeah. kind of significantly better. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we'll, as you say, it will be really fascinating to see what will happen in the race because of that. Mm. But whereas you look at Ironman, you don't, the youth never comes through. Very rare. I don't think any... When was the last time a youth won Kona? A youth. Well, on the guys' side of things, I don't think anybody ever has. On the girls' side of things, you have had a couple of girls that have come through... Uh, Pretty quickly, Natasha Natasha Batman didn't win on her first term, and Miranda Carfrey only got second. Um, so I don't think you've yeah, ever. Harold's the young, youngest Kona winner for oh. Ironman. Um, I don't know, Bevan. Oh, I no. would, on the girls' side of things, I would have thought that Paul and Yubi Fraser, when she won her first titles, might have been a bit on the the younger side. On the guys' side of things, who would be the youngest winner? I'm going to again maybe. I'm going to put out Thomas Hellregal potentially. Well, Al Sultan was 27 when he won. Oh, he'd be, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, yeah. definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he was the youngest based on this little article I'm reading here. I'm not sure about the girls, but um, but 27. Mm, that is pretty young. And that was a bit of a breakthrough. Yeah. He had, no, he had, he had chipped away the previous couple of years. Oh, he'd um, been around sport for a while too. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't like he was just totally coming on board. Yeah. I just wonder if this article how many under the age of 30 have won Ironman? There's a research project for you, Torsten. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> this week's one week. <laughs> um, because it is, it's an, you know, in our sport, it really, you, you, don't, you don't see the guy come along the first year and win Kona. No. You, you see know? plenty of pretenders thinking they can. Yeah, and even the ITU guys, you know, when Mecca came over, when, oh, well, I suppose you could argue Crowey. He didn't win on his first attempt. He got second first attempt. Yeah, but that's pretty great. Yeah. But, but he still was an aged athlete, wasn't he? So did he, he uh, Rasmus, not not Rasmus, um, Raylert, I think he got second on his first attempt. Yeah. So. But these guys are experienced athletes who have been in the ITU world, so mm. that's not the, the, the new fish to the game. Mm. Yeah. Do you think it would ever happen? Do you ever think you get just some new kid? It's pretty unlikely, isn't it? You'd have to. You, I, I definitely see the potential for an ITU athlete um, to come across and win it on their first attempt, definitely. But it hasn't happened so far. Well, it'll be interesting. You mentioned Gimmel a couple of weeks ago. Oh, he won't win on his first attempt. No way. <laughs> you don't think so? No. We were talking 2015. Oh, he'll, that's he'll, be right. there, he'll be there, probably there next year, 2013, 2014, potentially 2015. Harold's Gimmel? Same as so he's a year younger than me, so, he, yeah, so he'll, be, he'll be mid-30s. Yeah, but nowadays these guys are gone, like, you know, Crowe and Mecca, they're late yeah. 30s and they're still gone, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, and like, you look at Mecca as much as, you know what? I want to, I'd love to have an interview with Mecca. Maybe we need to talk to him at some stage again before Kona. But I'd love to have an interview with Mecca of how he managed his body through this intense phase. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we're talking about, you know, you know, he wasn't he wasn't the cut quite, um, but geez, he improved a lot, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And you, we all know intensity's hard, mm-hmm. and intensity your risk factor for injury goes up big time. You know, mm-hmm. like once you add intensity into the game, endurance training in itself is pretty demanding. But if you don't have too much intensity, you tend to be able to get through it pretty safely. Once you add intensity into the game, the body starts to break. Now, Mac has been a high level athlete what for 20, 20 years? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Yep. So Definitely. for twenty years, to then at this stage in his career, go back to that high, high intensity, like running in particular. Mm, you mm. know, biking and swimming's tough, but you know, but to run fast and hard, and, and you know, the kind of training it takes to get to that speed, mm. you're pushing the limit, aren't you? Mm. And the fact that it hasn't affected him injury wise, or maybe we, well, he's kept on racing, so it can't have been too bad. I'm really interested to have a discussion with him around that because mm. how did he manage that? 
There you go. Can't yeah. answer that one. Well, well I will ask him because we're, we're tight. Good. Okay, um, hypnotist. What's all that about? So you, you asked me what I've been up to this week, Devin. Did you go to hypnotist? Yeah. <laughs> Back it up. When no, did you come up smoking? It was, it was a show. <laughs> and I was. Did you go on stage? I try. I did, but I didn't get. Oh, didn't I mean, go. I went to one once, and I, got, I was like the one step away from being, you know, like I was going yeah, there. Yeah. And then I and I go, I don't think I'm there, mate. And he goes, just stay there, and I, and I just wasn't quite there. That was fascinating. Where'd you go? Was uh, it like a workman's club? G. Yeah, he's good, isn't he? Um, was it a fundraiser? It was a fundraiser for our preschool, and uh, it was fascinating. I mean, if you've seen people get hypnotised on TV, you go, oh wow, that's interesting. But when you see it in the flesh, it is uh, it is incredible. He's pretty, and he's pretty reasonably priced, like thirteen bucks or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I used it when I went to Kona. Yeah. So what he does is a local guy, and he, and he, you never even hear of him, but he basically gets a local workman's club, and, he, and it's like a, about how many people were about? We had, our preschool had about. 200 or so and 15 bucks each it yeah was, I think there's 600 people together so there's three groups going at once yeah and uh, and yeah it was like 15 bucks a great night out oh hilarious yeah such a good night out and it's really entertaining it's like 15 bucks and you, you can't sell them for more he really restricts you have to sell oh, them for right. the price yeah and um, but you end up making like I think you get like half the profit yeah, so, so it's, it's yeah. pretty reasonable and uh but yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So basically, you go up on stage. I went up on stage. Belinda was just like, "Don't do it, don't!" <laughs> and she grabbed me and Phil, Phil, the Philinator and I went up. And uh, did Phil get done? No. Oh, got it. But uh, we went up there, and there's quite a big group. Because you do the squeeze the hand thing, don't you? Squeeze your hands. Yeah. And uh, it was so hot up there, I was just steaming. I was just my hands were just pumped. They went. And what, so, so, so you go up on stage, and you, you put your push your hands together, and then he, um, you know, he tries to, to get you under by you know really pushing. And pushing and pushing, and then put on some music, and um, and you're just trying to concentrate on a particular point in the room, and um, and then did, so did you start to go there? No, no, I didn't. Oh, okay. Um, so I was kind of halfway. Uh, and then uh, and then boom, music comes off, and he goes right, um, pull your hands apart, and um, and I was able to pull my hands apart, and people are up there, and they cannot pull their hands apart. They're trying to, and you can see them, they're dead set serious, they're trying to pull their hands apart and they can't do it. And he comes in and he has to unlatch some of their hands really? finger by finger to get them apart. It was incredible. Just That, that was just the first thing. And then, um, and then you know, then, then as you said, some people go under for a little bit and then they sort of come out of it and they're, yeah. they're off the stage. But most of them stayed up there. And essentially they, they end up um, acting a bit like when they were kids. Um, and so they get, they get some sort of dancing around the stage and stuff. And one thing that fascinated me was he said, right, you're all sitting there and you've got to think up an invention. And then they, st- they stood up and they told them about these inventions and th- some of them were just so wacky, you couldn't oh. even believe it. <laughs> there was one guy, and he's one of New Zealand's premier cyclists, yeah. amateur cyclists who was there because his kid's at our preschool as well. And he went up there and, and like, they said, well, he said, what have you got there? And he's, he's, he's just giggling away to himself and he's got his hands sort of crunched up. And they go, what, what have you got? And he goes, oh, it's so small you can't see it. And they, they said, what have you got? And he goes, I don't know, it's just so small. And he had this little invention. Another girl had a, uh, a thing you put your face into and then it's got scissors attached to it and you basically whatever you're thinking, the haircut you want, it'll cut your hair that way. <laughs> Bizarre things and they're dancing all over the stage and they, would, they weren't acting and... It's it bra- well, when we, when we had, we had, there was this young guy who would have been like 16, you know, when you're real vulnerable, mm. and, 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 and he goes to him, what do you do at night? Mm. And he started masturbating. Oh, he tries not to, he, he, he said he's not going to humiliate, that, that sounds a bit... Well, no, but it was just, it, like, he, you know, not, like, he, did, he asked a few people, he said like, oh, you know, what do you do at night? And some were pretending they were reading, and then yeah. another one, I don't know, looked on the computer, and this young kid started waking up. 
<laughs> and the poor kid, oh, he's so embarrassed when he yeah. came out. Oh, oh, yeah. It was gold. But um, I highly recommend. It was, and I'm just, I'm really interested to see the power of it. Did You said you used it before you went to Kona. No, no, I've no. never done it. Oh, I thought, I thought I'm interested to know about the power it can have in terms of um, athletic but, performance. Well, no, because actually there's a podcast I listen to called Joe Rogan Podcast, which is very, very liberal. And, and yeah, if, if, you're, if you're kind of like things conservative, don't listen to it. But it's... Um, Wouldn't be but, up my alley. No, no, not at all. But, it's, um, but he had one of the top MMA, because he commentates on the, the fighting MMA, you know, right. mixed martial arts. Yeah. Yeah. You like it? No, no. Another story. Carry on. Oh, carry on. It's just fighting. But um, anyway, so he had one of the top guys who had always kind of been second tier, and he thought, "No, I want to, what's what's holding me back?" And so when it's in Mammatus, and he he really put it down to the fact that it made him a lot better as an athlete. Mm. Something I haven't explored, but yeah, why not? Mm. Yeah, very interesting. So that was a very entertaining evening as well. And there wasn't anybody The people that went up At the one that I went to Nobody was embarrassed Or anything like that They did very funny stuff But they did They do things where They like make you You look like you're a superstar Or something eh? Yeah Yeah It's very funny Yeah It's just one one When when you stand up there And he says um, Right go to sleep And you're standing up On the stage And you just see these heads Just boom Just drop And you're like Holy crap It's just The power is incredible Yeah they can't make you Do things you don't want to do No Yeah It's a phenomenal thing isn't it Incredible It's incredible That's incredible Kevin, what's happening in your week? Um, my life's not so exciting as yours, but the Muppet movie was my highlight. Right. Shapers, creepers, what is happening? Nothing, John, this weekend. Nothing. Nothing. Going to Australia in a few weeks. Got to go to theme park. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Got to go to Superman Ride. Have you been on Superman Ride? No. Have you been to Movie World? No. You've never been to Movie World? No. Have you ever been to a theme park? Yeah. Been to um, Magic Mountain. Oh, that's pretty good. And uh, Universal Studios and Disneyland. There's okay. nothing in Australia. Really? Yeah. How come? Because I, I go to Australia for, for leisure. I go there for races and stuff, but... But Australia's a good holiday. Yeah, well... Rather how, how do you Kite- I'd rather go to Kiteri. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm going to go to Superman. Superman rocks, because yeah. what they do is they, you go along and you're going through this broken city, yeah. and then... Boom! 160 miles and, like, bang, straight away, G-Force, and, you nice. just, and then you're all over the place. It's sensational, John. Nice. So you, I can't believe you've been to the theme parks in Australia. We'll go, we'll go to a camp over there. Okay, camp Kierkegaard <laughs> at a theme park. Yeah. Yeah, you have to do all the rides in one day. Sponsors, quickly, we didn't do that. Athlinks.com. Check them out. Coffeesofhawaii.com. You won't die. Extreme endurance. Make you faster. Off to Kona next week. So oh, yeah, you're off to Kona. Looking forward to it. It's going to be good times. So Why? what we're going to do next on... Uh, if you can get an interview show, with Lance, I'm not I'll give you interview $300. I'm not even motivated to get an interview with him, but I'll go to the press conference and I'll see if I can get a couple of questions. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Do you, I tell you what, do WTC sending you the, the press releases now? Yeah. Or am I just getting them? I get most of them. Because they're pretty good with the press releases now, aren't they? They're picking the game they're up. They're up. They're picking the game up. Yeah, it's good. Um, so looking forward to kind of, So one thing I'm going to do on... Do you think people um, are still listening? Or do you think they've given up no, on it? probably given up on it. If you've listened, if you listen to this point, go on the Facebook page and put what word? Yes. Um... Shazam Shazam There you go Shazam And then we know you've made it this far um, 
But what we're going to do, I'm going to do on next week's show is we've done an interview with Matt Simetz. Um, we'll do just a little bit of news. But then on the first day of the camp, which is Monday in Kona, which is Tuesday over here when we normally record the show. Oh, is it? Um, That's convenient. Yeah, we're riding the Ironman course on the first day of the camp. It's 180Ks. And so we'll get a bit of bit of feedback from some of the athletes on uh, on what they thought of the uh, Ironman course. How's your training going for the camp? Oh, outstanding. So you're out riding every day? I'm going to be you're on a, You would have been probably going, when I saw you, you were probably going about... 50Ks an hour. Nice. Yeah, middle you're going stock, downhill. Stock standard. <laughs> stock standard. It's all good in the hood. Nah. Okay, let's wrap it up. And Bevan's now in charge of T-shirts. He didn't like my T-shirt design. <laughs> well, I want them to be cool. Okay. You know what I mean? I want them to be shit hot. Okay. Can I say that? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, uh, and, and some of the T-shirts come through are very good. They haven't quite nailed it yet. Okay. I'm going to be honest. Thank you for the people who put the time into it. But we want them to be that you can almost go to town on a Saturday night wearing your T-shirt. Okay. Get what I mean? Okay. Get what I mean. Yeah. Just uh, not just to a triathlon event if people can go, oh, yeah. He's they on. are going to be a dry fit one. You know, they're going to be, oh, going really? to be a cotton one. Well, you we could go cotton if you want to, but I thought more of a training T-shirt. How, who's making them? The guys in um, O2 Creations. Oh, are they good? Yeah. You guys? Yeah. So. Okay. Iron Russ. I'm in Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. Love your work team. <laughs>